Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you how your emotions affect your health. I'll also be interviewing author and inspirational speaker, Derek Stone. After working to support his family as a struggling artist, Derek chose to reevaluate his life and his way of thinking, and in three short years, grew a small one-man show into a million-dollar company. This amazing transformation came about through the decision to forgive his father. Derek left the path of blame and began traveling down a path of forgiveness, which led him to start living his best life. In today's episode, he reviews his book, Why Should I Forgive?, a book that teaches you that if you choose to forgive, it will lead to your freedom. For more information about Derek, please visit www.derekstone.online. You may also purchase his book in your favorite digital bookstore or in the previous guest products in both stores at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. The importance of forgiveness. In psychology, we teach that whatever you perceive to be true, in other words, what you think about, determines how you feel. Those emotions then determine how your body responds. What we often don't realize is that if we carry around past struggles or events that have happened in our life, that does influence us because that creates a foundation for our emotional lifestyle. The concept of forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook. It does not minimize your struggle. It does not remove the responsibility or the justice that you deserve, but forgiveness allows you to not focus on something or have that be the foundation of your personality type. Because once you forgive, it resets how you look at the world and you are then able to determine the type of person you want to be. But what we often don't realize is that your past does influence your health. In traditional Chinese medicine, they talk about how your thoughts determine your feelings and those feelings then impact certain areas of your body. For example, your spleen. The spleen plays an important part of your body's immune system and acts as a blood filter. However, if your thoughts are continually focused on something from your past or perhaps even something that's happened today, it creates a certain type of emotions. And those emotions, such as worry or dwelling or focusing on a negative topic, unfortunately, that then affects your spleen. The lungs. The lungs, as we know, bring the oxygen into our body and they remove all the carbon dioxide. But if you're focused on something from your past, let's say grief and loss, those thoughts then create that excessive grief in your life. And that grief, unfortunately, affects your lungs and your lung capacity. Your liver. As we know, the liver is part of the digestive process and it allows for our body to have certain nutrients. However, if your thoughts are focused on unfair things, it creates emotions full of anger resentment, frustration, irritability, bitterness, those emotions then affect your liver. And that's where forgiveness comes in. The heart. Of course, it goes without saying what the heart does. It pumps blood throughout a body. However, if your thoughts are linked with sadness or depression or despair, 
that then affects your heart. One thing that's really cool about this is you can think of this in a different way. If I think of something that allows me to feel a sense of joy, that joy can turn into laughter. The act of laughing strengthens a heart muscle and it creates what's called natural killer cells that go into your bloodstream and kill off any tumorous types of cells. So it's very important. If you are aware that you continually focus on things from your past and that creates the foundation for how you feel, you may not realize that those feelings are negatively impacting your health. So any type of memory you have that creates a sense of joy or a sense of peace or contentment that actually is doing the opposite effect on your body and is giving you vitality in life. So remember, the choice is yours. If you feel in the past that your power was taken away from you, then this is a wonderful time to take your power back. Realize on what you focus and how those thoughts are affecting your emotions. And then you'll realize how your health will start to change. I have a fantastic interview today with Derek Stone. He reviews his book, Why Should I Forgive? It tells the story of his own life, of things he overcame, and the choice he made to forgive his father. Upon that choice, his life began to flourish. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. My guest today is Derek Stone. After working to support his family as a struggling artist, Derek chose to reevaluate his life and his way of thinking. And in three short years, grew a small one-man show into a million-dollar company. This amazing transformation came about through a decision to forgive his father. Derek left the path of blame and began traveling down a path of forgiveness, which led him to start living his best life. In today's episode, he reviews his book, Why Should I Forgive?, that teaches you that if you choose to forgive, it will lead to your freedom. Welcome to my show, Derek. Thanks for having me, James. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I, uh, I was reading your backstory, of course, and you are a fellow musician. Absolutely. See my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> my listeners don't see this, but I'm actually talking uh, to Derek. We're doing a, qu- a quick little video call, but yeah, I can see his guitar in the background. So that's awesome. And you're, you are from Nashville as well, or live in Nashville. So. Yeah, I live in Nashville currently. Yeah, I've been in there here for since 2010. How is it there? Because so many artists live there and... Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it would be like to be surrounded by so many people who have the same interests or very similar interests, and then yeah. everyone's struggling to find that break. Everybody's jaded. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, for you. <laughs> yeah, you meet, you meet more people in construction uh, that are artists than you ever will in a club or a bar. or Really? Yeah, which is crazy. But I've that, met yeah, more wow. people that are, yeah, that, that are entwined in the music business through construction than ever did playing live, you know, it shows whatever. So it was really interesting. Yeah. Cause like in New York city or LA, everyone's well not everyone. The majority of people are in the, the hospitality industry. And so now for you is I had no idea that would be construction. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm also a general contractor here in Nashville. So, wow. So you yeah. wanted to become an artist. It was difficult for you. Walk me through that process. 
Sure. So I tried for 16 years, uh, really to, to be a musician and a rock star really. Mm -hmm. And I was the front man, wrote all the songs. Uh, my, my first album, I actually wrote, produced most of the songs, all the instruments and everything on the album. Um, and uh, when I, I thought, I kept thinking, I was like, oh, man, if I can just get this out, this is going to be it's going to set me set me up for success. And mm -hmm. it, it just didn't do that. And so I was just it was like the big letdown, you know, and I, I became very jaded with the music business because it was kind of like, you know, this is not everybody's story. But my story was the fact that it was like the dangling carrot in front yeah. of a donkey syndrome mm -hmm. where, you know, you just dangle the carrot and it keeps going. All of a sudden something would happen that would rekindle the fire, you know, the moment you wanted to quit. Well, my construction business started taking off in 2014, and I was just like, man, something's got to give in my schedule because I was still playing, still doing the construction, and my family, and I was canceling all kind of family events. Oh gosh, wow! To go to go tour, and mm -hmm. and so I um I just said, you know what, something's got to give. I call one of my mentors, and he's like, you know, dude, look, if if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now with all the opportunities you have. And I was approaching 28 at the time. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think you're right. And so I told the band I was in, which was a uh, flawless pursuit at the time. At the time I said, look, y'all have to get, you're going to have to look for another singer, mm. which is funny because they were all my songs, you know. It was just oh, hilarious. really? Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so I just told them, I says, look, you know, and they toured around with it for another year or so. And then they mm -hmm. stopped, you know, the guy just couldn't do what I was doing. So, um, so anyway, the construction started taking off. I, I finally walked away from that, the music business in 2014. I don't think I've been to a concert since because it just hurts so much. Oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. But I had some depression and it was, yeah. it wasn't the fact I bet. It wasn't the fact that I wasn't performing anymore, but it was really the fact that um, I felt like I had this amazing message of forgiveness. And I had lost the platform to tell it. Oh, and that's when I felt like I needed to put this in a mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's what, something I wanted to talk about because I know bitterness kept you hostage or held you hostage for a really long time. When you were writing your songs, could you hear how that bitterness may have been encroaching on that, on your lyrics at all? When most of the songs were after that, after the the choice I had made to forgive my dad, gotcha. okay. um, most of those songs were written out of that, but there was a lot of I drew on all my childhood experiences. Uh, I mean, all of them, you know, people burning bridges, uh, you know, I'd forgive them and then they'd break that trust again. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, so a lot of those, a lot of that came from deep hurts. So yeah, a lot of them running from your problems, yeah. uh, you can't run from them. Uh, you know, we have a song called running away. And so that was a lot of that was, was based on that, the battle in your mind, mm -hmm. you know, um, the one, the, the, the one that you feed, you know, some of the lyrics are the one that you feed is the one that'll win. And, and so, really yeah, you know, the good, the good me or the bad me, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so that's, that's really a lot of those lyrics and stuff came from all those experiences. Really. Tell me more about your childhood. Sounds like it was pretty tumultuous. Yeah. So, um, my parents were divorced when I was five and, um, my dad, when I was going into sixth grade, moved to Texas and we only saw him every other weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom had bounced around after the divorce for about three years between, my aunts and my, my grandparents and um, finally settled, wanted to get her own place, settled in a Section 8 project neighborhood mm -hmm. in Mobile, Alabama. And um, there it was crazy. Um, I was she met a guy and he moved in and we were getting sexually abused by this guy from eight to twelve. Mm, so and yeah, and it was um, 
it's just one of those situations where you just live behind a facade, mm-hmm, you know, but because his his manipulation was is that if you tell anybody or you tell the cops, you know, they're going to take you away from your mom. Yeah. My little eight year old mind is just trying to do. I, mm-hmm. I love my mom. I don't want to be taken away from my mom, yeah. you know, in multiple ways that hold you hostage from it does hold finding you your freedom. Exactly. And the, the, the problem was, too, is that the moment that I would get the courage, I'd feel like I had the courage to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. I would get transported in my head, man. It was terrible. I would get transformed into this courtroom and I was on the witness stand and I had to relive every one of those moments. And not only was I going through it myself, but I could hear what everybody was thinking. And all these people were thinking all these accusational thoughts like, you know, oh, you deserve that or sure. you brought that on yourself. or And so it was, um, it was it was awful. And so and that would always keep me 100 percent, keep me from saying anything. And, and then going back to what you said as well, whatever you feed, it determines what you do. And so if you feed in those thoughts or those dreams that you had about this is potentially could happen in the courtroom, people would say all these things, then that becomes your truth. And that becomes how you understand the world or what, what you think your options are. Right. For sure. You talk about being homeless and um, just a lot, of, a lot of things that are different from other people. Can you give us some more of those examples? I was never homeless, but, um, you know, just bouncing around, we Mm, lived in my aunt, you know, but, but like, it was just kind of one of those situations where it was like, there's no stability. And and they were gone. You know, my mom was gone. You know, she worked three jobs. She was gone most of the time. So my house was like the hangout house. So we always had like five or six people Mm -hmm. at the house and they were all cool friends and stuff. And, um, we did life with those guys, you know, and if it weren't Mm -hmm. for some of their parents, I don't know if I'd, I'd still be alive, you know, yeah. never know where the next meal was coming from. And sometimes and, and the lights would get cut off. We'd have to take cold showers. Mm. And I was always looking for somebody to blame. And, and that person ended up being my dad because I felt like it was his responsibility to, to to protect us from all that stuff. How did that affect your relationship with your dad? All the bitterness you experienced for him? Well, we went and lived with him in eighth grade. And me and my twin brother uh, went and lived with him in eighth grade, and it was great. We were yeah. by ourselves, and then he met a girl and got married while we were there living in that eighth grade year. And he moved us to to their house, and she was nestled on about eight acres, and which was great. And I love the place, but my twin brother just couldn't stand the the strict regiment of. He was used to this come and go as you please. So was yeah, I, yeah, but I was willing to change because I wasn't in that environment anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, he was just like, no, I want to go back to my freedom kind of thing, you know? So when he told my dad, he wanted to move back with my mom, my dad pulled me aside and said, Hey, look, um, you know, can you promise me you want, you're going to come back? And, and I did promise him I was going to come back. And, um, my mom had other plans. She didn't let me go back. And so I, uh, I, I was I was hurt, but then that caused a wound with my dad, and he just distanced himself from us for ten years oh after my that. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Dirk. Yeah. So so that was kind of one of those situations where it was like, dang man, you know. And and I I reached out, and then my mom got she divorced that guy, and and going into eleventh grade, she had met somebody, and we went, and she moved us to a small town outside of Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, called Baldwin, and um. You know, there is when I started to clean my act up about three weeks before school. So because I was running at this time, I mean, I was doing every drug I can get involved in. Mm -hmm. I got sexually involved with a girl that was three years older than I was. And um, I mean, just just doing anything I could to run and just to kind of just, you know, just just I was trying to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. And just just numb myself was the best way to do it. When you went back, what, around 16, you said to live with your mom. So the. The person who abused you was still in the house? No, he was not. At that oh, okay. Point. He was different. Okay. No. Because I was saying, I can't imagine what that, that would time. feel like. Okay. Because halfway through that year, she called me up crying one day and she was like, I just found out about this. Is this the reason you went to move with your dad? 
mm-hmm. to live with your dad. And I said, absolutely. Yeah. And she just was broken on the phone, just heartbroken and divorced the guy and, and this and that. And, um, and so it was one of the situations where when we came back, there was, that wasn't the case at yeah. home. Good. So, so yeah. And, and so that was just kind of where that was. But, but then when we moved, you know, just the same stuff that was happening. And then we went to, and that's where the recovery started to happen. And when I, about three weeks before school started, see, I went, I was one of these, I go to church on Wednesday kind of guy, you know, mm-hmm. and tried to be all right. And, um, uh, I, I had it in my head that I was still going to be, you know, this, this, just bad boy, you know, and, um, drinking and cussing or whatever. And I was going to steal all these guys, girlfriends and all this. And <laughs> it was terrible. Just my, my, my teenage yeah. mind was awful. Sure. But so about three weeks before school started, I had this voice come to me, man. I mean, just plain as day, just say, Hey, this is a new start for you. You're not going to screw this up. Mm. And, and I was like, okay, so I got this box out of my closet that had my Bible in it. And, um, I kind of started flipping through some pages and cleaned my act up in about three days. And, you know, wow. I started getting some comments from the family around the house. Like, what are you up to goody two shoes? You know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. My mom wasn't hating, but my sibling was. Boy, <laughs> so funny. And my stepdad was too. He was tripping, man. So, yeah, um, so, so this was, and then the day school started, this dude jumps out of the bushes, man. Oh, not even bushes. He was a crowd of people. He just jumped out and was like, dude, do you know Jesus? And I started laughing and I said, yeah. And, and, and so, and then everybody kind of was like, Ooh, you know, it was like a little party or whatever. Well, he, um, he invited me to a football game and then a football game to church that next weekend. And I realized that night that I'd been around some of the coolest, most mm. humble, that's awesome wholesome people yeah, and realized I needed, and I was right where I needed to be and, um, just kind of opened my arms up and was mm-hmm. like, you know, God use me and make me the man you want me to be. And I felt like that's been happening ever since. That's awesome. When did the forgiveness aspect come in your life? About two years later, um, or three so years later. A senior? Really. Yeah. I was a, well, I was, it was 19. Freshman? I was my okay. freshman in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, it really happened when, uh, the, the guy, the youth pastor that I'd met and we were hanging out and I was doing worship team for them and that, that church I was involved in, they collaborated with a bunch of churches in Tupelo and had this, it was a stomping out the darkness conference by uh, Dave Park and Neil T. Anderson's book, The Bondage Breaker. And inside that, um, step three, I believe is bitterness versus forgiveness. And man, he started to talk about how some of you need to forgive a parent or a sibling or you know, an aunt or uncle or grandparent. And I was just like, started my blood pressure started to raise my, my fist clenched up. And I almost was like, man, bump this, you know, walked out, Mm -hmm. almost walked out. And then that same voice came back to me and said, Derek, I want to use you, but you have all this bitterness towards your dad and I need you to forgive him. I got angry, absolute angry. And that's why the title of the book is titled dads, because why should I forgive comes from, because I was, I asked the question, I says, why should I forgive him? Yeah. You know, because all this happened, you know, you know, this is the reason. And um, and uh, because it came from a place of anger and contempt. Well, the voice came back to me as if I didn't just holler at it. Was, uh, <laughs> We've <laughs> so, all been there. I know, man. I know, dude. So um, <laughs> been there. And it came back to me just as calm as day and just yeah. said, um, I'm the father to the fatherless. And I wanted to know what that was like so bad for somebody to tell me that I was enough and that I had what it took. And, um, you know, that. I said, you know what, if you'll give me that, I'll give you this. Mm-hmm. And so, um, two hours broken on the floor, forgiving everybody, man, if they came to my heart and, and that's part of the book, if they came to my heart, I'd forgive them, man. So if the name came up, my mom, my stepdad, the one who abused me, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so you know, powerful. 
Yeah, and 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 so all these people in that cleansing. What was crazy when I got up was that I no longer felt this burden that I've been carrying around. The burden was gone, and I no longer felt the need to nurse this facade that I'd been living up. Yeah. You know, like I was a party looking for a place to happen. You know, I just I just didn't feel like I could I, I needed to do that anymore, and so totally just changed my world. And then what happened, which is when my business did over a million dollars, you know, I look back to see what it was that had triggered my success. And it all, all those roads point better. These two decisions, which is one choosing to free of my dad. And then after that night, I started praying that God would restore that relationship. So what, seven, seven years later then? Uh, it was like six, six years. years. So six yeah. years after I forgave my dad, he called me up in the middle of deer woods. I'm, I'm hunting in Mississippi. And, and he says, uh, Hey Dick, you got a second? I was like, yeah. And he says, Had you talked to him much before that? Not really. No, it was either a birthday or okay. um, if somebody on his side of the family was in the hospital or dying, it was gotcha. kind of okay. one of those situations. Obligatory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he says, look, I don't want to be known as somebody who walked out on their kids and um, I want to be in your life and in my grandkids life. And um, I just want to ask you if you forgive me for the way I've treated you guys for the past 10 years. Wow. And so powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, as I just kind of laughed on the phone and said, Dad, I, I forgave you a long time ago, but I've been praying for this day for a while. Oh and gosh. yeah, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. And that, that next, that summer, I mean, we went and spent, um, Thanksgiving with him that following Thanksgiving that he came down for Christmas and spent with the whole family. And so it was just a really cool deal. Well, that ushered in uh, at me asking for a fatherly blessing, kind of like old school. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. From a psychological approach, that's actually very, very important to have. Yeah. And so I was just, I really wanted it. I knew my brothers and sister weren't going to ask for it. So I was just kind of like, Hey man, would you, would you be interested in do this? And he's, he's a God fearing dude, you know? So everybody's, nobody's perfect, but we all got our yeah. stuff. And, um, he says, yeah, let me think about it. And he called me a month later and he spoke over me, Deuteronomy 28. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'll bless you in the towns and the country yes. and, and, and that kind of thing. And, um, you'll be the head, not the tail. And man, I felt like I was getting knighted, dude. Like, <laughs> I love it. Like I, I was, I was getting the keys to a mighty army. Yes. Dude. I could just go charge hell with a water pistol. You know? but, That's hysterical. But, but it was, it was one of those things that just kind of really opened the door. And whether, like you said, it was psychological mm-hmm. or, or who am I to say it was anything different. Well, multiple that. levels there. I mean, it just, it affects sure. us. It, it, it imprints something on us. Sure. Creates your new identity. And from that day, man, up to the days to the weeks that follow, we moved to Nashville. We started this business and it just, it just skyrocketed. Like mm, it was just crazy. And, you know, it quadrupled in size in one year. Wow. I mean, just that kind of crazy stuff, you know? Wow. And so, um, just, just really getting that and, um, you know, and that kind of put me in the, in the vicinity of where I needed to be at. So yeah, it was those, everything I've pointed back to the journey to get where I am today mm-hmm. that started with those two decisions uh, that, that I made. So in your yeah. book, in your book that you, that you have, why should I forgive? Is it a memoir? What kind of, what's the, the format of it? No, not really. The first two chapters are, they tell more stories about my childhood, mm-hmm. but but a lot of them are good, like the good yeah, yeah. stories. Some of them are bad, but, but what I really just is kind of one of those things is that people ask that question. Why should I forgive? It comes from that anger and discontent, but then they turn around and ask the next questions because they don't know how they ask, but how can I? Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to walk wow. through. Yeah. So we give, we give people five practical kind of steps, so to speak, to kind of walk them through that of what worked for me. You know, um, which is wanting and needing a better life. The difference between a want, which is um, that's important, yes, the, the, the desire to possess, uh-huh. and the versus a need, which is I gotta have it to live. Yes. I can't, you know. Yes. And so, defining what that looks like: who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to become? 
And then the next step is really going with your gut. Like I talked about earlier, I said, if they came to mind, I forgave that person, you know, in that in that moment. And then the other thing is, was that sometimes going with your gut is looking at the people that are surrounding you. Are they helping you? Are they hurting you? Are they helping you get to a better place or are they really holding you back? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes that takes either setting a boundary up for them in your life, if it's family, especially. And then sometimes it's it's getting them out of your life. It's if if it's a friend or something that's just not supporting you and where you want to go. And so and then we deal with the open heart surgery where we talk about um, how to make an informed decision, which is taking that goal, that purpose for your life, using that as a filter to make all your decisions because mm-hmm. some people just don't know the process to make a yeah. decision. Yeah, they don't. It's, exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, and so we, we kind of show them, you know, like if you use this goal as a filter, is this going to help me get there? Or is this not going to mm-hmm. help me get there? And then uh, take responsibility for your own life, man, is a big one uh, inside that open heart surgery area. So many people want to play the victim role of, but you don't know what I went through. You know, you're right. I don't, but I went through some junk myself mm-hmm. and it sucks what happened yeah. to you. It's not right. But at the end of the day, you're not justifying what somebody did to you. You're Correct. just allowing yourself to move on to a better place emotionally. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the most liberating aspect of it because so many times people think the forgiveness aspect is really that it lets the other person off the hook for what they've done. And that's really not the case at all. What it simply is, is it, it, it liberates you to be able to essentially focus on your future as opposed to focusing on your past and everything that, is, that you've, has happened in your life. For sure. Forgiveness is for you. Yes. Trust is for them. Yes. Trust. I like and that, so, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> forgive, yeah. forgiveness, forgiveness <laughs> is for you because it, 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 when you hold bitterness, anger and resentment, it, it, it hurts you. Yes. It doesn't hurt them. They probably can care less. Don't even think. I don't even remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, I don't remember it, which is unfortunate, but at the end of the day, it's for you. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is, is that man, so many people hold on to that forgiveness and they're waiting for somebody to be worthy enough to bestow it upon them like it's a gift. Yes. It is a gift, but it's a free gift. And it, true forgiveness only happens when it's given away freely because nobody's ever going to be worth it. Exactly. And forgiveness, as we wrap up here, forgiveness is also not a one and done. It's a way of life. It's a mindset. It is. It it's a muscle. To, exactly. And the more you practice it, the more you can easily walk in forgiveness as opposed to saying, I forgive this person and then still holding on to that same mindset. And then unfortunately, that's not a lifestyle of living. That was just a moment of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. For sure. Derek Stone, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. Thank you so much for being a guest. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to purchase your book, Why Should I Forgive? Where would they find all this information online? They can go to derekstone.online, which is D-E-R-E-K-S-T-O-N-E.online. Uh, you can get the book there. You can check out you know, my bio and, and things like that. And I'm actually thinking about l- linking my music to my website too. Oh, I'm not sure. You totally should. I would love to hear something. I should. It's a product. So, I mean, it's out there, you know, and, yes. and I'm thinking about it. So yeah. awesome. May they also, may they also purchase your book, um, Amazon. I mean, okay. My listeners yeah. also know then if that's the case that if they, uh, go to the show notes in either James Miller, lifeology.com or lifeology.tv and in there, it links them to my store, which will have your book inside of it, which then links them to any online digital bookstore. Derek Stone, thank you so much for being an awesome guest today. I really it's do my appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. I also want to thank you, my listener for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.